Hello again, this is World Pastor Tony Alamo. This is program number 730-730. If you'd like to have a copy of it, Sharon will tell you how at the end of the program. Just let us know whether you want a CD or an audio tape. They're free, including the postage and handling. I've got a message here from the book of Luke. Got music and letters. But right now, let's pray. Father, I pray that you pour out your spirit. When you pour out your spirit, everything is going to be of you. And uh, that's what everyone wants. Is they're tired of hearing of people's opinions and uh, what human is the greatest because no human is great. The only ones that were really great in your eyes are people that were following your instructions. And therefore, Lord, I pray that you will allow me to keep your instructions, that you'll pour out your spirit on me so that the people in the world can hear the truth and that the souls in the world can receive you as their personal Savior and that uh, the uh, church will be strengthened by your word. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone says amen. Amen. All right. Uh, this is myself uh, singing a song that I recorded at... Uh, Porter Wagner Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. It's called Stand By Me. When the storms of life are raging Stand by me When the storms of life are raging, stand by me, stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a sheep out on the sea. Wind and water Stand by me Stand by me When I'm growing Old And feeble Stand by me When I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me, stand by me. When I do the best I could, and my friends I'll oh, never lost in that world. Stand by me. Stand by me. I'll oh, never lost in that world. Stand by me.
Praise the Lord. Well, you know, there's no sin if a person is angry at Satan. Uh, so many people today are talking about anger management. Well, the people that are preaching that stuff should be the ones that would pay attention to it because they're hypocrites. They're bombing nations all over the world, innocent men, women, and children. And they're talking to the people that are, they're trying to do everything in their power to make people passive here in the United States and throughout the world. They can be angry at people for no reason whatsoever. And they make up imaginary things that people are making atomic bombs. And really, if they are, so what? Uh, if they're making A-bombs, uh, I know that God is able to keep those of us that are of him out of the power of uh, atomic power. And um, nobody really has that much time left in their lives to live. Therefore, people shouldn't be concerned about um, these petty things. Uh, it's so sinful when we are bombing people because of the fact that we want to control their country. Uh, let's take, for instance, we have this um, uh, the people dictating uh, power, dictating instructions, commandments to people to, um, we need to bomb, we need another Pearl Harbor, we need to bomb uh, the World Trade Center. That way, it'll get everybody up tight enough to go to war against the people in Iraq, and that's what we really want to do, is to take Iraq over. And look what's happening, though. You know, the Lord tells us that uh, we would... If we could just read the curses and the blessings. When you do such evil as that, you're going to have to weigh the food that you eat by the ounce. You can't buy as much food anymore that you want. This was unheard of back, um, of course, before World War II. And a few years after World War II, the government made up, you know, that we couldn't uh, have food and and um, beef, uh, all different kinds of things. Beef, um, shoe leather, you know, just, this is the most corrupt uh, world that ever has been. It's getting worse and worse. We're taking these orders from um, Rome and say, people say, yeah, have overactive imaginations. Well, then who is the one calling the shots, okay? If you're so smart, you tell me who's calling the shots. The Bible says it's Rome. God said it's Rome. God said it's the Catholic cult. He doesn't use the word Catholic, but he says this cult is in the city of the Seven Hills. And um, if the Bible would have said it's coming from the Vatican, well, then they would have renamed the Vatican to Ice Cream Cone or something, or Disney World. But there's nothing funny about it, and there's nothing funny to me about Disney World. I, you know, anytime people want to go there, sometimes I'll drop them off, but I'll sit in the bus, you know, I've got a comfortable air-conditioned bus, or else I'll sit at one of the restaurants in there and just, uh, you know, sip on iced tea or something. But at any rate... Uh, this is uh, an organization that is calling 
people to do things. We need another Pearl Harbor. Let's bomb the World Trade Centers, and that'll really take people off because that's one of our national prides. We're so proud of those two buildings. I remember uh, I went in there just for three or four minutes, and um, I went back out, and I noticed how cheaply the place was built. And it didn't look impressive at all to me. And the restaurant was jacked up. I didn't eat there or anything like that. But uh, it uh, it caused this uh, big war and this scare. These people are saying uh, the Vatican made a prediction that there was going to be a lot of terrorism starting in the late fall or the early fall. I forget. But uh, it was September 9-11, the ninth month, the 11th day. Well, what do you think, folks? Is the God a liar? He said it would be coming from Rome. And that this would be the biggest, most elaborate, the most powerful force. And it tells about, talks about it in the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel. And that it'd be Rome that would be doing all these bad things in these last days. The Lord calls her the mother of every abomination that's happening on earth. We, you know, the people here in the United States wouldn't go to war until they staged Pearl Harbor. And then everybody got passive. They're all loaded out of their skulls on drugs. And they're making fun about it. There's people I know that when I was sent to prison on false charges that are in there for like the rest of their life for taking drugs and selling them. And here the um, person in the United States is smoking them and judges and prosecuting attorneys. And they're corrupt. You people are corrupt, don't you know? <clears throat> well, we're talking about Jesus here. And we're still, what, in the second chapter of Luke? Yeah. Huh? The fifth chapter. The fifth chapter, okay. I've been busy <laughs> the last few days. Been in recording and stuff like that, so. And also taking care of the churches throughout the world. So we're in the fifth chapter, verse 12. And it came to pass when uh, Jesus was in a certain city, and he used to go to all the different cities. And a lot of people don't want to hear about Jesus, but Jesus is the one that can heal. And you don't think that's a big deal? Well, maybe if you've got cancer, you start thinking. I notice you see on television uh, these different self-help uh, programs where people heard uh, the damning statement that you have cancer and you've got three months to live. Oh, we'll just uh, hold a step up or lay up, and we'll just go on and step forward as a man or a woman, and we'll die. we'll tackle this. We're going to fight back. No matter how hard you fight back, you're going to die one of these days. And it came to pass when Jesus was in a certain city, behold, a man full, full of leprosy. That's worse than being full of fleas, to be a, a total flea bag. Because leprosy 
like fleas, are very contagious. You don't want to touch anybody that has a, that is a flea bag. And you don't want to touch anybody that has leprosy. But this leper, when he saw Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, in other words, boss, if thou wilt, if you, if you only will, you can make me clean. And that's faith. Amen? Amen. Uh, there isn't anything that this government can do to bomb the Lord out of me or to shoot the Lord out of me. I've got the Lord, and that's enough. Amen? Amen. That's plenty enough. So this flea bag fell on his face and was asking the Lord, will you get rid of all these this horrible flea that is causing these fleas that's causing my body parts to fall off. I'm white as snow. And so, uh, and he knew that this man, Jesus, could do something like that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have fell at his feet. Do you ever see any people on the street falling on their faces before anybody out there and say, will you make me clean? I know that if you wanted to, you could make me clean. You never seen that in your life, have you? Oh, you saw how these tent meetings you <clears throat> go over there and um, there's exposés on some of some of them, and some people get healed. But if you do, it's by your own faith, not by anybody there. But Jesus would uh, touch people, uh, everyone in town, if they came to him, and he, they'd all get healed. So uh, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. That's all. Well, who wouldn't worship a God like that? That not only said that, but when he said that, it happened. And immediately, immediately the leprosy departed from him. Now, you can see all kinds of people. They you can see them running up and down the, the aisles and things like that, and some of them aren't healed, I guess. But the news media followed them and said that these people, they saw them the next night in another prayer meeting, and they still weren't healed. This I'm talking about Benny Hinn. So, Benny, you should, uh, you know, when they asked him, is it you that's healing them or is it Jesus? And Benny answered, I don't know. Boy, you talk about pomp and guts. Uh, maybe he'll know when he faces the Lord on Judgment Day. Verse 14. And Jesus counseled him. He charged him. He instructed him to tell no man. But go and uh, show yourself to the priest and offer for thy uh, cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. For a testimony of me unto them. Or a testimony of God unto them. 
Well, there's instructions that if you're cleansed from leprosy, you have to take an offering to the priest. Yeah, this has to do with a lot of blood shedding, which is symbolic of the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus cleans your soul. It takes every filthy, uh, evil thing right off of your soul and casts it into the sea of God's forgetfulness. And that's what uh, Jesus is telling him to do. Don't tell any ordinary man that somebody that's not in the clergy. Because, you know, people not in the clergy are not going to pay any attention to it. But if they know, because you've been pronounced by the priests as having leprosy, they know that you really have had it. So go to the priests and show them. And show yourself to the uh, priest and offer take this offering uh, to them and for uh, for your cleansing according as uh, the law of Moses commanded uh, for a, a leper to do as a testimony as a testimony unto them uh, a testimony that God has done something to you here so what it does is if you use that as a testimony to them, what they're going to do is that maybe they'll stop being a hypocrite and maybe they'll start uh, uh, being as you are, thankful that there is a God in this world and in heaven. He's in this world as well. The kingdom of heaven is here now, folks. Kingdom of heaven comes without observation, but it's in me and it's in others, many others. Verse 15, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of Jesus. And great multitudes came together to hear him and to be healed by him of their infirmities, their sicknesses and diseases. Now, in this world today, there's more sickness, disease, and infirmities than ever before because these are curses that have fallen upon people, have fallen upon people because they don't reverence uh, and they don't fear God to the extent that it, uh, is necessary in order for them to be propelled to serve the Lord. There's no urgency to get up and get out on the streets and distribute literature and to witness and testify to people. Uh, this must, uh, this only can come from a fear of the Lord. No one's going to get out there and get after it if they are not afraid that something evil would happen to them if they don't. But the Lord tells us, us of all manner of evil, sickness, infirmities, diseases, tsunamis, earthquakes, uh, typhoons, hurricanes, and uh, all the, the likes of all the uh, evil um, that God is doing. And he said, God doesn't do evil. <laughs> Read the Bible, folks. Read the Bible, and then you'll know uh, what I'm talking about. Because uh, you have an image of God that resembles Peter Rabbit. <laughs> that isn't the Lord. 
the Lord is the Lord God that punishes people for not believing in him. Just as, uh, you know, Eve never believed him either, and she had to die, and all of humanity has to die as well, and we all have to get back to the tree of life. Everybody's involved with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that is uh, a semblance of that is the computer today. Oh, they just think it's the most important thing to get their children on computers. I'm so glad that I never had a computer when I was a child. I'm going back now about 74 years close to it. And I never saw any television because I was in Montana and TV. The signals wouldn't get over those mountains there. Because I'm from Montana, mountain. Mountain Tana, Montana, okay. And uh, we didn't see any of this kind of garbage. There was nothing. There was no filthy movies or anything like that. Nobody would ever see anything like that. So um, when they heard of this leper, I mean, these people were white as snow. And he was filled with leprosy. And when they knew the guy and they saw what he had done, everybody wanted to come to him. And it's just sad that today people don't believe in God and they don't believe in the healing power of Jesus. They don't believe in his power to be able to save their soul, to cleanse them from all their sins. And if they're doing God's will, that he will give them all the blessings of the commonwealth of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, you just don't have any idea because all you see is smut and filth and uh, angry people, people, wars and rumors of wars, like the Lord said would be happening just before he comes back to earth. You see phony Christians. You see all these things. And uh, Jesus wouldn't even allow these devils to speak. But there's nobody around today commanding the devils to stop. To get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, but I do that all the time, every day of my life. I tell him to shut up. So all these people, multitudes, not only multitudes, but great multitudes. An enormous amount of multitudes. And you know, the Lord doesn't, ex he, uh, he really just tells it like it is. When he said, few people, in the world were saved at that time when the Lord says few what it amounted to was eight souls and he says straight us away and narrow us the gate that leads to eternal life and few there be that shall enter there of the kingdom of heaven but there'll be multitudes great multitudes of people going to hell what about that are you going to be one of the few or do you even care you, most people will not care until they're in hell. And you say, well, you just keep uh, using fear, Tony. Well, the Lord says you're not going to serve him unless you fear him. So why shouldn't I talk about the fearful things that the Lord says is going to happen to people if they don't serve him, if they don't believe him, if they don't do what he says? Now, the Lord gives healing powers to people that believe him. He said, these signs shall follow those that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We'll lay hands and pray uh, for people that are blind, uh, that have all manner, like cancer, AIDS, and all the different things that people have today. 
and they know that I have that power, but they don't come to the church, and so let them die. Go ahead, die. All right. And um, verse 16. It doesn't bother me if you, but I've preached to you. I've invited you to come to the church. I've told you, and he said, well, don't you have a church in our area? We want to be catered to. Well, in those days, Jesus only was in one area. He was one person. He was confined to his own body and to time and space. Uh, that's why the Lord said that if he, when he dies, he's going to die, be buried, and will go to hell for us because we all deserve to go there. And to please God, God had to have a sacrifice worthy enough for him to uh, give a people a second chance for salvation. And so he died, was buried, went to hell, raised uh, himself from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit that was in him. And then uh, after a few days, people saw him and uh, ate with him and talked to him. And he walked right through a wall and uh, showed himself and doubting Thomas was there. And he says, uh, Thomas says, I won't believe that he's risen from the dead unless I can see his pierced hands and I can put my finger into the holes in his hands and thrust my hand into the side where they ripped him open and blood and water came out of him. So when he went through there, he says, okay, Thomas, come over here. Come over here. Come here. And put your bony fingers in my hands and thrust your fist into my side. Thomas fell down and says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. I'll never doubt you again. Oh, God, please forgive me. Verse 16. And uh, Jesus withdrew himself into the wilderness. So why didn't he stay there and uh, heal all of them? And he prayed. Even Jesus had to pray. Jesus, whose God was in flesh, in human flesh. He was living in human flesh. And so he had to keep his prayer life up in order to be spiritual enough to do all these things that he did. And to be able to take all the persecution that he took. Without prayer, you can't do anything. You ask for power and um, over all the ocean of evil on the face of this earth, and you'll receive it from the Lord. But if you don't pray, you don't get anything. You don't have because you don't ask. And when you ask, you ask amiss, the apostle James said. And so Jesus withdrew himself, and uh, he healed him. Uh, and um, they wanted to want him to heal him, but he got out of there. Went up into the wilderness and prayed. Verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there was Pharisees and doctors of the uh, law. The, the Pharisees were the teachers of the law in those days. Sitting by. They were just sitting by. 
That's what the people that call themselves Christians today do. They're just sitting. They're sitting by. Which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Well, where did he get all this power? He got power. The spirit that's in him requires that it doesn't matter who you are that you pray. Otherwise, you don't have any power. And uh, verse 18, behold, look, in other words, men brought in a bed with a man on it, which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring uh, him in and lay him before Jesus. Verse 19. Why lay him before Jesus? Because uh, it was uh, known throughout town that he, this man was full of leprosy. And the leprosy departed immediately. It's like God is just saying be healed. And he was immediately, instantly, not a long time process. Not you're going to get better by and by or every other day here it's going to get better. But immediately, the snow-white skin departed and it was like baby skin. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. Wow, there was a big multitude of people that want to be healed. Same thing today. Well, I would suggest that you come to somebody that knows the Lord so that they can lay hands on you and anoint you with oil so that you can be healed. Because it's for sure the doctors, uh, there's so many people that need healing that there isn't enough doctors to take care of you and there isn't enough, there isn't any kind of medicine that can heal some of the filthy diseases that are clinging to people. So it would be better for you to go into a place where there's somebody that knows the Lord and it won't cost you anything. It doesn't cost a penny. And they've, they've, they've prayed up and they have this healing power to heal you. Well, we don't like the way you talk. Well, you know, I wouldn't care how a person talks if they have healing power. If I was full of leprosy or cancer or some other filthy disease like AIDS and syphilis, gonorrhea, and all the other things that people are catching today, leukemia, I just mentioned a few. They went upon the house, these people that were bearing the house up and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Well, they had to tear the roof off to get him down there. Verse 20. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Well, wait a minute. I don't want healing. I don't want forgiveness for my sins. Oh, well. 
You don't want forgiveness for your sins. That's obvious with the people today. They don't want uh, forgiveness for their sins. They want more money so that they can have an opportunity to go out to singles bars or to whorehouses, houses of prostitution, and to um, meet somebody. Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. Oh, man, there's all these scholars here. They began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, he was God. The Bible said that God came to this world in the flesh. And that flesh, whose name was Jesus. Verse 22, but they didn't study the scriptures good enough to know who it was that was sitting before them, and they didn't pay any attention to the fact that he could heal all these people immediately. If that wasn't God, then who was it? Verse 22, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering, uh, he answering said unto them, what reason ye in your wicked hearts, in their hearts, he said. Verse 23, whether is it easier to say your sins are forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk? Now what's easier? You people say thy sins are forgiven or whatever, but uh, who, okay, let me see you tell this guy to get up and walk. To prove to you I'm God. I'm going to tell him to get up and walk. And he's going to walk. Just like the guy that had leprosy. And he got up and he was instantly healed. The leprosy departed immediately. Verse 24. But that you may know. That the son of man has power upon earth to forgive sins. The son of man. Well, what about us? We're sons of men. And Lord, we have the spirit of God in us now. Do we have the power to forgive sins? No. Whatsoever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever we loose on earth, whatever we allow people to do, it's going to be loosed in heaven. Heaven is not going to stop it. It's left up for us to do. Well, can't, we can't forgive sins, uh, right? But if somebody comes and they uh, ask that they want their sins forgiven, we can certainly pray them through. And when we do, their sins are forgiven. So in so much that we are able to do that, their sins are forgiven. Amen? Amen. But you don't pray sinners to repentance. You preach them to repentance. You teach them the word of God so that they know what it is and why they have to be forgiven of their sins. What on earth? Who do you think you are, Tony, that you can forgive sins? Every time I pray uh, through, I, I 
preach to somebody and they want to get saved, I tell them, your sins are forgiven because the Lord has just washed them away by your faith. If you have faith, then you are forgiven of your sins. doesn't mean that you're not going to sin again. If you do, you're going to be in a lot more trouble than you were before. Because it's like a dog going back to its vomit. Because God comes into you uh, with full power. His Son, all power in heaven and on earth belongs to His Son, Christ Jesus. But that you may know that He, the Son of Man, has power upon earth to forgive sins. If you have faith and if you repent. Well, Jesus said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, I say to you now, arise, get up, and take up your couch, your bed, and go into uh, thine house. Get in there. And immediately, not tomorrow, the next day, immediately he rose up before them right before their eyes, and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, uh, glorifying God. Verse 26, And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Well, it wasn't an uncommon thing. It wasn't strange for Jesus to do these things because he was God-man. He was a man that had God in him. And if you're a Christian, you have God in you as well. Now, there isn't anything like that in the Muslim faith or Buddhism or any other isms because Muhammad is dead. His bones are still in his grave and his flesh, if you could open the coffin... You see, it was stench. There's a filthy stench. Same thing with Mary, Mary Baker Eddy or um, any of these Buddhists. They, they, they don't go anywhere because uh, the ones that they are preaching are dead. They're dead dogs. They're idols, and the idol has no life in them. But Christ rose from the dead. Verse 27. And after these things, Jesus went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. It's part of the IRS, really. And he said unto him, follow me. And he, Levi, left the IRS. He got out of there because the IRS is not of the Lord, it's of the devil. And he, Levi, left everything. He rose up and followed Jesus. Verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast. I guess from all the money that he had that he robbed people of. In his own house. And there was uh, a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. Well, sure, anybody that can heal everybody. Did you ever go to these doctor's offices today? They're just packed out with people. 
And they don't really have any great hope that the things that the doctors are going to do will be that much of any value. They do some good. There's no doubt about that. Uh, they can give you pills to take away your pain. But to make diseases, sicknesses, infirmities disappear instantly, they don't do that. There would be more people. They'd be standing around the block and clear out to the outskirts of the city if they could do that. So there's a great company of publicans. Great. And not for you, but great. And of others that sat down with them. Verse 30. But um, their scribes and Pharisees murmured. Oh, they murmured against his disciples, saying, uh, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Why don't you come to us? Well, you're such sinners that you're never going to repent, and therefore your souls are going to hell. You already think you're healed, and yet you are worse than these publicans and sinners because they're drinking here and eating, stuffing their faces. But when they hear the truth, they're going to repent. But you people don't. You just murmur against disciples, the people of the Lord. Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Verse 31. Uh, and so Jesus heard that. And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole, like you people think you are, they that are whole need not a physician. You folks think you're whole and you're not, but you think you don't need a doctor. You don't need the the universe's greatest physician because you don't think you do. You think you're going to heaven. And let me clue you in, you're not. But you're going to the other place, the netherworld, hell, the lake of fire. But they that are sick, you the sinners, uh, are the ones that need the great physician. And they know it. They know. A sinner knows that they're sinners. But people have been made to believe that they're not really sinners, that, you know, this is just all a bunch of hogwash. Jesus continues saying, verse uh, 32, I came not to call the righteous, you self-righteous hypocrites, but I came to call sinners to repent. You people think you don't have to repent, but you're the ones that are more, uh, you're, you're so evil that you don't think you have to be repent of your sins. Self-righteous. A common harlot shall enter the kingdom of heaven before a self-righteous hypocrite. Verse 33. And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often? They fast all the time and make prayers. And likewise, the disciples of the Pharisees, these self-righteous people. But your disciples eat and drink. What's the deal here? What gives? Verse 34. And he said unto them, 
Can you make the children of the bride chamber fast? Man, they know that I am God and they're with me. How are they going to fast and be mourning and uh, to be with me when they are with me? While the bridegroom is with them, he said unto them, Can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom, while God, the one that they are married to and going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the New Jerusalem, can you make them fast huh? while the bridegroom, while God Almighty, is with them in the flesh. Verse 35. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. And then shall they fast in those days. Well, the bridegroom, we know Jesus is not physically walking with us, but he's spiritually in us. But in order for us to keep his spirit in us, we do have to fast because we can't see him. The Lord appeared to me briefly uh, while my eyes were wide open. I was wide awake. But uh, and he's with me all the time. And so we do have to fast and we have to pray. As a matter of fact, the Lord said for us to pray always. Pray without ceasing. Amen. Amen. All right. So these are those days now that we have to fast and pray. Some people are so unspiritual that when they start fasting, they pass out. They get headaches and stomach aches and all this stuff. It's more important to have the head. But, you know, I pray for people that have headaches and stomach aches and it goes away. But these are the people that never ask. For prayer also. They just can't handle fasting. Oh, please bring in the donuts and the coffee or something, you know. Can I have something, a little bit of cream? I fasted between 30 and 40 days one time without food or water. I don't suggest that anybody does that because that was the fast that God put me on. I really needed to be on that one. And that taught me a lesson. If I wouldn't have fasted, that time I know that I would have fallen away from the Lord. We have to, no matter who we think we are, how big of a shot we think we are, we have to do what God says. He's the big shot, okay? He's the boss. He's the Lord. He's God. Verse 36, And he spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth a piece of a uh, new garment upon an old in other words, you're not going to fuse, uh, you don't understand faith. You are walked by uh, keeping the commandments and or, uh, all the different things that the law says. But uh, the one that the law was speaking about is in the world now. And now he wants to be in you and walk with you. And you're not receiving it. If otherwise, then both the new uh, maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. You don't know what you're doing. So I'm going to have to stop here because we have some letters. 
but we'll take this up on the next uh, program. Where's the first letter from? From Pinellas Park, Florida. Okay, let's hear what they have to say. Hello, everyone. I'm glad you're still out there standing for what you do. Oh, you better believe it. Okay, what else? There is entirely too much deception on even what the Bible says, coming from characters who won't even take the time to read the Bible, which brings me to my request for more Messiah books. That book is an amazing compilation of facts that I prudently hand to only those that I believe will take the time to study it. It seems so important to me to not waste it on folks who don't st seem studious enough to take the time it deserves. Right. What good is information, spiritual information to people if you don't read it? If you don't read it, you're always going to be carnal and you're never going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, and then what else? Some people are open, but they just don't read. I'll leave it to you to decide how many to send. Thank you for being out there. I don't know how to convey what it means or why it means so much to me. At the moment, I only have two more to give out. I praise God and thank you. Sincerely, Richard Neidhart from Pinellas Park, Florida. Okay, well, I told you to send them 30, and I pray that uh, 30 has already reached him. Amen? Amen. Okay, what else? We've got uh, less than a minute. From Borno State, Nigeria, you are doing a well-done job. Without any partiality, you expose the secret of those who work for the devil. May God bless you and expand your ministry. Signed, Mrs. Jerby from Borno State, Nigeria. All right, so um, no man puts a piece of a... Uh, uh, no man that uh, is believing not the New Testament, no man that uh, is... Um, uh, you think that you can walk in the commandments, but you really can't. It's like putting a sign up to a dead tree saying, you have to grow apples, you have to grow peaches or plums or whatever, but yet uh, there has to be a life-giving element in that tree in order for it to bear fruit. And in order for us to bear fruit, it doesn't make any difference. We believed in the Old Testament. But there's a new garment that has come into the world, and this garment means that uh, you have to be clothed upon with righteousness, with the Holy Spirit. So when you pray the prayer of uh, repentance, the Lord enters into you. There's a life-giving uh, substance that enters into you. It's God, it's Jesus, his Father, and the Holy Spirit that makes it possible for you to bring forth life in others. Not only is the life is in you, but uh, Jesus, the life, the way, the truth, and the life is living in you, and he's able to do his work and live out his life in you. And the way you start with that uh, Jesus life, the new garment is to ask Christ to come into you. So do that now by saying this prayer. Say, my Lord and my God, have mercy upon my soul, sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is uh, the son of the you, Father, the son of the living God, and I believe that he died on the cross and shed his precious blood for the forgiveness of all my former filthy sins. And I believe that you, Father, raised Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. I open the door of my heart, and I invite you into my heart, Lord Jesus. Wash all of my former filthy sins away in the precious blood that you shed for me, you will not turn me away, Lord Jesus. You will save my soul, I know, because your word says so. Your word says that you'll turn no one away, and that includes me. Therefore, I know that you have heard me, and I know that you have answered me, and I know that I'm saved. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. Now, Sharon, 
Tell everyone in our listening audience how to receive a copy of this program, number 730. Go to alamoministries.com or write to Tony Alamo Christian Ministries, P.O. Box 6467, Texarkana, Texas, 75505, or call area code 479-782-7370. That's 479-782-7370, or fax to area code 479-782-7406. This is World Pastor Tony Alamo saying, tune in again tomorrow for another straight and narrow instruction on how to re, uh, enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, this is uh, my tribute to God be the glory. Go ahead, play it, please. Father God, praise your holy name, Father God. I thank and praise your holy name. I never knew that you'd choose me in the last days to be the head of a worldwide work of God, preaching the gospel to hundreds of millions of people so that they could be led to glory and they would all give glory to you, Father God. None of the glory goes to me, Father. I give all my love and my praise. To you, Father God, be the glory. And I thank you, Father God. How can I say thanks for all the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you give to prove your love for me the voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude all that I am or ever hope to be I owe it all
praise. 